Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emmett Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. Great to have your company. Welcome to the show as we go into the quest of weekend winners for you on a classic weekend at the Curra and the crowds get to return. Oh, it's been two years, two years since crowds were allowed to see any classic racing in Ireland in person but they're back this weekend with the bang and we're back with the bang as well uh, alongside time formers mark mcgilligan mark welcome to your final forum podcast debut what have you let yourself in for i'm asking myself that very same question to be honest emma i'm, I'm hoping that you'll uh, you'll treat me with kid gloves uh, go a little bit easy on me um Hopefully, I can bring some concise analysis to what is a cracking weekend's racing. Really is. And on TalkSport 2 today, I was chatting to Geraldine, so I've got some info that I can trade from, from there. Uh, also, there'll be an Aidan O'Brien and Geraldine's packaged podcast that will come out on Friday. Uh, and then Robbie Power will uh, be out over the weekend as well, talking about his retirement. And next week, we're doing our jump special with Dennis O'Regan. We have to reschedule that. Okay, 2,000 Guineas is where we'll start. So we'll begin at the Curra and we'll end the show at the Curra. And we're taking in the UK in between. And speaking of the UK, Native Trail for Godolphin. And Charlie Appleby is obviously a very short price favourite for Kaluki. Currently, uh, 4 to 11 with Kaluki Sportsbook. Um, Buckaroo, uh, they've pushed out to 4-1. to one. Ivy League, they've pushed out to 14s. First time tongue-tie for Aidan O'Brien, Ryan Moore on board. Wexford Native, also back to anti-post. Well, at least he's been clipped four points. He's into 16s now. And Gerlines Atomic Jones. This will be his last start, almost certainly, for Gerlines. He has been sold to go and race in Hong Kong. Uh, and that means that he will be getting clipped because that's what happens over there. And his main aim is the Hong Kong Derby. And Ger uh, can explain that more. Uh, in the Final Forum podcast update that we're taking from TalkSport 2, uh, where I did my interview with him this morning, uh, so it'll come out tomorrow, but this almost certainly Atomic Jones' last start for Joe Lines, which is a bit of a shame because he's a very high-class horse. Speaking of high-class horses, Native Trail second in the Guineas. Is this a penalty kick, or should more respect be shown to the likes of Buckaroo, Ivy League, possibly Wexford Native, as he clings to hope? Mark? I think it pretty much is a penalty kick. I think Native Trail, I mean, he established himself last year as the preeminent juvenile in England or Ireland. He's got form on the track. I don't know about you, Emmett, but I thought that actually he ran a fantastic race when he was beaten in the Guineas at Newmarket last time because he raced on arguably 
the slower part of the track than the winner and Luxembourg, the pair that he split. I'm of a mind to think if he'd raced over on the same part of the track as his stable companion, Caroibus, I think he'd have beaten him, to be honest. Uh, I think he was on the slower part of the track that day. And but for that, I think Native Trail would still be unbeaten, to be honest. That's a, to be fair, I, I had a conversation with someone who said something very similar to you. And I, I'm not going to argue with you about it uh, or, or, or try and talk you out of it. There's, there's something, I've said this on the show before and I've said it on, on TalkSport as well. There's something in my little mind, to quote Oshin Murphy, um, when he was referring to himself. So if Oshin's brain is small, well, then mine must be bloody tiny. Uh, there's something about Native Trail that I don't like. This, this season. I loved him last year. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's the fact that he ended up running in the Craven when he wasn't supposed to. It was meant to be Caribus. Maybe it's the fact that he got beaten in the 2000 Guineas. I might be looking at him and putting Pinatubu beside him and going one and one equals 17. Um, but the fact that Charlie Appleby was also saying to Ludi Hislop in an interview last year, I think I've got a better one at home. So he was always looking forward to Caribus. Um and it is a very interesting take. You know, if you swap the stalls, if Native Trail comes out yeah. of, of the trap that Caribus tra- came out of, does that mean that he comes out as the winner? Um we'll never know the answer. The one thing that you can say is that Godolphin are running away with it. And I I had this conversation with Joe Lyons, so I'll I'll say this as well. I said to him that I have this feeling that there's something a little bit questionable about Native Trail. And his response to me was well, you could be right, Emmett. It might, e- might even be a case of that he's not as strong as he was as a two-year-old and hasn't fully trained on, but he'll beat this lot. <laughs> just, just. Yeah, you know, Emma, I kind of agree with you with uh, where Native Trail is concerned. I think the word I would use to describe him is probably gawky. He's just, he's a yeah. little bit big and a little bit awkward. Um, and... I don't think, despite the fact that he's won there three times now, I don't think Newmarket suits him entirely. He seems to get lost in the dip to me at Newmarket. And I just, I've watched him a couple of times there now and thought that running down into the dip, he's become unbalanced as he goes down into the dip and then only really picks up on the run up out of it. I think the Curra is a track that that plays much more to his strengths. And I, I think his most impressive win was when he beat Point Lonsdale there last season. Yeah, and they still think that Point Lonsdale is a derby horse. Uh, and bear, bear in mind that Coolmore have made their entries for the arc. And the only three-year-old Colts that are entered for it are Stone Age and Point Lonsdale. And, yeah. And they could have entered, and this was at derby trials had just been raced and taken care of, so they knew what changing of the guard in the United Nations did, and yet they still went, nope, Stone Age and Point Lonsdale, that's what we think. Um, so we'll see how that all pans out, but even though both of us have our doubts about him uh, in terms of his, his long-term racing uh, career, and we'll see how that all pans out and plays out, uh, Godolphin have taken the 2,000 guineas, they've taken the French 2,000 guineas, and by the sounds of things, and just looking at, at your own um, company timeforms, figures I mean, he's on 137 buckaroos on 127 so even there he's 10 pounds clear uh, ivy league is on 116 p but that it's not a big p and he would need that so maybe in terms of a of a place bet is there something that that appeals to you well i i, I think buckaroo 
will be very difficult to keep out of the placings. He's an interesting horse for me because his pedigree screams to me like he should be better going 10 furlongs or a mile and a half. But his most impressive performance to date was when he dropped back to a mile last time at the Curragh when he beat Wexford Native by four lengths. I thought the turn of foot he showed there was impressive. Yes, this is obviously a step up again but it looks like he could have found his niche as a miler he's what he's in the four to one nine to two region probably four a bet to, to nothing each way to be perfectly honest yeah i think i'd agree with you um and it's also worth bearing in mind what sheen murphy said a couple of weeks ago on the final forum podcast when i mentioned buckaroo he just dived in on him straight away and he said yeah joseph was saying to not go to epsom with him this year um, like to not go for the Derby and that maybe a mile four later on in his career is something that they can go for. But Epsom is just a track that wouldn't suit him. So Irish Derby possibly, but it's too soon in his career. And so go for the 2000 guineas. And he was very impressive. And I can tell you that the Jim Bulger stable think an awful lot of that Wexford Native. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if Wexford Native runs a massive race, but this is deep, deep company and it's only his third run. Um, Ivy League is also I'm intrigued by, and with the first time tongue tie, I'll, I'll put him up. Native Trail probably wins. Um, I thought for a second when when uh, Jaro was was saying you're probably right, Emmett, and then it, it, I went, oh no, his tone is all wrong. This is gonna, this is, gonna, this is just, but but he'll beat this lot. Uh, he's a lot of respect for Buckaroo, by the way. I must, I must point out, Jerlance has an awful lot of respect for Buckaroo, and um, I think it's a lot of him. I think it's a lot of Stone Age as well, by the way. Uh, but you'll hear more a little bit later on the Final Forum podcast. Right, we'll switch over to the UK. So the two o'clock is the Kazoo Hell Nook Handicap, and it's five to two with Kaluki for Bandelli, who was a winner in the all-weather at Kempton last time out and has raced there the last three times and taking two victories. Uh, our friend Donald McCain, member of All About Sunday, uh, and you can have horses in training with him now at allaboutsunday.com. Uh, Graham Lee on board, Gubernator, is fives and has been... Well supported from sevens, uh, Kaluki say. Uh, and the same applies to Valley Forge, who we saw a lot of last year. Uh, raced from May right through to October for Andrew Balding and David Probert. Sevens into fives with Kaluki. What's your thoughts, my friend? My initial thoughts are you'd probably be crazy to try and take on um, Charlie Appleby here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> now, Bandanelli, he's carried all before him, hasn't he? He's really, really come of age as a, a young stayer. And he's been mightily impressive as he's gone up through the handicap ranks. But I think this is going to be his biggest test to date. He will be favourite. I think there's some value in taking him on. And the one I'm going to take him on with is Valley Forge who I think will benefit immensely from the step up to two miles here. He won the Melrose last year, which is always a competitive three-year-old handicap at York. He then was probably a little bit disappointing in a couple of starts after that, although the softish ground wouldn't have suited Ascot on his final start last year. I think he shaped very much as if he needed the run when he returned at Newmarket last time. I think that was a get-it-ready race for this kind of contest. I think he'll benefit for the step up to two miles, and uh, I think he'll be a decent value play against the favourite in here. Yeah, I could not, um, I couldn't disagree with that at all. I think he's a very, very uh, 
interesting horse. And he's, he's got a very tough constitution as well. The fact that he was able to take in as much racing as he did seven times he raced last year. Um, and we didn't see him as a three-year-old. So to race from May all the way through to October is, is pretty damn impressive. Um, he has had the gelding operation. So sorry, son, no, uh, no future career for you with the ladies, but oh well. Um, he'll be a nice winner for us if that's if that can be possible. Uh, Bandinelli sets a good standard, but there's no reason why Valley Forge, who has been backed, as I said, uh, sets a, can't, can't upset the apple cart. Uh, Mighty Ulysses is a very short price favourite for Benoit de la Sette, who is now down to £5 as a claim reader, double today. Uh, that £5 claim was already going to be in place for Saturday. Doesn't ride Friday, and this is the next ride that he will have. Uh, Gavin Cromwell's horse has come in for a good bit of support. The Kaluki team were telling me just before we came on an air, and by that I mean I hit the record button. Um, so this is his second start for Gavin Cromwell, and Adrian Keeley claims £7 from install 1, 13-2 from 10s with Kaluki. Uh, Dirty Old Town for Grant Turner is 15 to 2, and it's a similar story for him in that Sam James on board and the source having a second start for them. Um, this is a very, very short price favourite in Mighty Ulysses. Only the three starts so far. Very impressive last time out, Mark. Is he the one to be with, or it's a big Saturday handicap? Are we going fishing? Yeah, it is a big Saturday handicap, isn't it? Um, I put a little, uh, little note by Mighty Ulysses when I was doing my prep. Um, for this podcast, I just wrote GH in a H, um, which stands for Group Horse in a Handicap. Oi, oi! <laughs> That's all you want. And, <laughs> and I just I just think he could be a class apart from these. I think it's a, a bonus that he's got Benoit de la Sayette taking the weight off. I think it's mightily noticeable that John Gosden has still got him in the St. James's Palace Stakes at Royal Ascot. Mm. That suggests to me that they think an awful lot about mighty Ulysses. And despite having top weight, I think he's going to take a heck of a lot of beating in here. Yeah, you've been told. Um, I, I tried to go fishing. I really did. Uh, <laughs> and I, I couldn't come up with anything. Like, n- nothing original. I mean, the fact that Mr. Wilson has been so well back now, He's no longer a double-figure price. That's that's game over there. And the rest of them, no. So, mighty Ulysses. Uh, Mark and I are very much in agreement. And we'll move on to the 410, the Sandy Lane. Now, intriguingly enough, we've got a uh, runner for Jura Lines, Beauty Inspire, who, to quote him, disgraced himself last week. Uh, but it was a good thing that he did because had the race been, had he actually run in the race with his antics beforehand in the stalls, it would have been a case of game over. Uh, so they managed to take him out. Um, He's fine and travels over. Mark Enright goes over with him and he will indeed run. Uh, he did say he'd, he'd improve for the race, but he is indeed going to run. Um, and that then brings us to the top of the market where Beauty Inspire, I should say from Kaluki, is a 12 to 1 shot having been pushed out from 10s. But Carl Burke and his sprinters are in red hot form. And El Cabiolo has been backed from 6s to 4s to 11 to 4 to now 5 to 2 with Kaluki. Is Carl Brock going to be having another winning sprinter? I suspect he'll go very close. But if we have a, a quick look at the time form ratings in here, there's very little between the top three or four here. We've got El Caballo's top on 124. We've also got Go Bears go on 123, Flaming Rib 123, Katura 122. If we just reference Beauty Inspire, he's 113, but with a P. 
Now, that piece suggests he could find six or seven pounds improvement, which would put him right in the mix. I thought at the prices, Flaming Rib was going to be the one to side with here, to be honest. I think they quickly realised in the Greenham that he wasn't going to be a guinea's horse. Mm. They dropped him back to five furlongs. What was most impressive last time at Chester is they dropped him back to five furlongs, but against older horses, very early in the year for three-year-olds to be taking on older horses. And I thought he blitzed them there. I was very, very impressed. I think this is a smart sprinter in the making. Yes, El Caballo's got very, very good form. Go Bears, go was second at Del Mar in the uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint. So he obviously brings a decent level of form in as well. But for Flaming Rib to do what he did against older sprinters last time, I was impressed by that. And I thought at the prices, he was the one to be with. And for Ribchester, who Amy Lineham and I talked about in detail on our Bloodstock special as well, uh, second Bloodstock special coming at you very, very soon. So Flaming Rib for Hugo Palmer. And James Doyle, uh, he was hugely impressive against King, Kings Lynn at Chester. And uh, I, I'm liking the, the mindset. Uh, staying with sprinters, the Kazoo Temple Stakes. Again, we've a short price favourite. Three to two. It's six to four. What? what? What's going on? So six to four winter power with Kaluki. Uh, came from dark, nine to two. And this is her comeback. Came from dark is nine to two. Twilight Calls, fives. And Kings Lynn, before mentioned flaming rib form, is six to one. So... Is that the direction to, to look in then? Is to is it to go with, with him or are we looking elsewhere? For me, Kingsland's a, a little bit of a frustrating horse. Yes, he did get a win at Doncaster in November, the back end of last season. He's a horse who just, he seems to find a little bit of trouble in most of his races. So I was just shying away from him. I wanted to take on Winter Power. I've seen plenty in my capacity as a reporter um, for time form, I, I've reported on plenty of northern races so far um, this flat season, and plenty of Tim Easterby's horses have shaped as if they've needed the run. And I just wonder if this might be the case with Winter Power again. She's going to have bigger targets ahead than yeah. this. For all that this is a group two, you know, they're going to be looking towards the Nunthorpe and races like that. They're going to look at the, the King's Stand at Royal Ascot, and, and it could be that. They've just left her a little bit undercooked for this. The one I wanted to be with is a horse who disappointed last time, and that was Twilight Calls. But again, going back to our conversation earlier about Native Trail, at that Guineas meeting, Twilight Call, he was fifth, but he raced away from the main action Again, that was his first foray out of handicaps. He won a handicap, he won it oh so impressively off 94 the time before. And to be honest, his form there, as impressive as it was, probably didn't entitle him to be sent off um, three to one favourite in that group race last time. But for all that, I think he was drawn just on the wrong part of the track, really, and everything unfolded away from him. I'm prepared to give Twilight calls another chance here to turn over a possibly undercooked winter power. I'm inclined to take on winter power as well. I was looking towards came from dark and I, I kind of thought that's what you were going to say when you were talking about a horse who disappointed last time. And of course came from dark was in the same race, but was much further back. Um, 
Oh, four lengths. But still in a sprint that is sizable. Your horse is a bigger price, so maybe we should just go with your horse. Uh, came from Dark <laughs> is um, nine to two. Uh, Twilight Calls is five to one with Kaluki. As we record the William Hill Bronte Cup Philly Stakes Group Three. Believe in Love for Roger Varian and Ray Dawson is five to two. In from seven to two. Mighty Blue with Kaluki for Joseph O'Brien. And Dylan Brown McGonigal does travel on Guinea's weekend, uh, seven to two. Silence, please. Uh, second run for Andrew Balding, a nine to two shot. And then have to mention this horse because obviously Paul Ferguson, massive fan of the horse last year. Eileen Dover, such a name. Pam Kelly. Sh- Pam Kelly. Pam Sly Shane Kelly. Oh, it's been a long day. I've been recording since 9am. And it's now nearly six o'clock. Daughter of Canford Cliffs. Obviously, she's a bit of a final foreign podcast legend. And she has had a comeback run where she was able to blow the cobwebs away against Trushan on her season reappearance at Nottingham. 3.30 at York. What's your thoughts? Yeah, let, let's go back to the running of this particular race last year. And Joseph O'Brien sent over Mighty Blue then as he does again this year and she only finished fourth to tribal craft beaten four lengths having been sent off 11 to eight favorite she was very very well backed i just she's been pretty disappointing since then hasn't she she's Mm. had a couple of goes over hurdles hasn't really taken to that but conversely believe in love who i'm assuming will go off favorite this year she was disappointing in this race last year but she had an excuse she was reported to have lost her action there and she was all but pulled up at her best i think believe in love has got a bit of a class edge on these i pro i i didn't have a firm view on the race to be honest i think i would i would have just sided with Believe in Love, because I think she's a classy filly. But the memory of the fact that she did lose her action on this track in this race last year just weighs a little bit heavily on my mind, particularly as she's going off favourite. I don't know if you had a, a more firm view, Emmett. I thought it was intriguing that Roger Varian decided, because sometimes horses, were it, it stays in their head. Um, and they remember the fact, oh no, I was at this course last, last year and it didn't go well. Um, and it's been explained to me by jockeys before. Like I said, look, horses have, I've been around horses for all my life, pretty much, um, that you know, each horse has their own unique personality, uh, like your pet, for example. And uh, you know, horses do remember bad experiences at race courses. And the vast majority of jockeys and trainers that have asked that question to all go, yeah, absolutely. So the difference, I think, this time around is that Believe in Love didn't have a prep run last year, whereas she has this time around. And Roger Rain has decided, no, we'll go back. Um, and she was oh so impressive at Leopardstown on her next start after losing her action in, in this race last year, because you're 100% right, that's exactly what happened. She lost, lost a shoe and lost her action. And I think it's intriguing that he's given her a prep run and takes her back out again. So... I completely see where you're coming from. And it's like, what was it, 113 lengths? So, I mean, basically, they just walked her back in. That's essentially yeah, she what... Was, she, was all, she was all but pulled up. Yeah, uh, essentially. I mean, that, that's that's a handicap hurdler's kind of form that you're looking at there, really, when you, when you read that. Um, another shout-out for the Jumps fans. But I think that despite having flopped in it last year, I, I can't believe Roger Varian would go back with the five-year-old uh, on, unless they really thought that she would be able to 
to go and do it again. And I think that spin at Chester will have put her on the right track. And I think she'll be hard. I think she's going to be hard to beat, to be honest. I think she she sets a very high standard on her best form. Um, and like you say, it's just it's just a question of will she get over the track better this time out. Matt, York is, is my local track. I, I'm based quite close to York. I go racing at York a lot. And it's a, it's a strange surface at York. For whatever reason, some horses just don't seem to get over it. Um, uh, they, what is some that horses about? Find the, yeah, I, I really don't know. Um, whether it's to do with, do you remember back in the mid-2000s when we had all the big floods in York and the, the track was flooded and the EBA meeting was called off? No, that you mentioned it, I um, do, but I'd forgotten it. And they redid the drainage uh, on, the, on the entire track after after that flooding episode. And for me, it seems to have been ever since then that, that some horses, it can often seem like, even when it rides good to firm, you can see the ground getting kicked up and, yeah. and can often ride quite loose. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a very, very sand-based course as well. There's a lot of sand in there. And I think some horses... Um, to to sort of use an analogy towards sort of motor racing, I think some horses their wheels just spin there basically, yeah. Yeah. and they just can't get any traction, and and it, it just worries me a little bit that a horse who's run so badly at York is then going back to York as favourite, where I'd I'd be more inclined to forgive a run like that at a different track, for example. That that's a that's a very good point to make, and it's a good thing to kind of. This is why we have experts on the show. Uh, it's a good point to um, to knock some sense into me as well, because and to all of us for that matter, because that's our only experience of York as well. So not only now do you have the mindset issue, there's also the possibility that she may just not act at, at York. And I have vivid memories of Royal Ascot being hosted at York. Um, and it was intriguing speaking to. CEO of York Racecourse. By the way, if you're near enough to, to York Racecourse, if that's your local track, then you and I are going on the session for the Ebor Festival uh, for one of the one of the <laughs> nights. We'll that, be, that, that sounds good to me. You're all welcome. Final Furlong Podcast session. We'll be setting that one up. We'll we'll, we'll uh, chat more about that later on. But um, you know, William Darby was was talking about the amount of work that they do at York to ensure that it's a fair surface. And I love York. The Ebor Festival is one of my favorite meetings to attend uh never mind sit back at home and, and watch or, or cover uh it's a it's a fantastic race course it's a great place to to be but there is something about that track and i was looking just double checked in, in my mind about desert crown when he won and it was officially good ground yet they were kicking the turf up as the as the dante was being run and as emily upjohn won the the misador and those are now the two most important races going in to Epsom, you know that they've produced the Oaks favorite and the Derby favorite, but you could see how certain horses just seem to run way below par, um, uh, even at that meeting. And there's just the, there's something very odd about that track. Um, to be fair, there's, there's other tracks that have been relayed as well, and uh, since they've done that. Um, 
a new drainage system was put in and it turns out that the drainage system is more complex than... And this is not a criticism of York. This is very much criticism of other tracks who have completely made a, a balls of it. Uh, and now they're, on, they're in a bit spot or bother because they'll never... Be, realistically, you'd have to rip the whole thing up again, start all over, and it's just not economically feasible. But we're, we're putting Believe in Love to one side, so... Um, and with that in mind, who are you going to side with? As I'm not 100% convinced about Believe in Love... I would be prepared to side with Silence Please, who basically, she was beaten four lengths at Goodwood last time, but she got into all sorts of trouble. I think without the trouble, she'd have won that race. I think she'd have won it comfortably. She ended up um, finishing third, being beaten four lengths behind Bart Zeller. Um, she finished third um, to search for a song at the Curra last September. I just think she's at the prices. She's probably a more solid proposition than the favourite. I rewatched that this morning as well in preparation for Talksport Two this afternoon, and she was in trouble basically once they entered the fourth furlong. Like, and what I mean by trouble is there was nowhere to go. From three furlongs out, nowhere for her to to go. She could not get a get a run. Goodwood trouble in running? No, <laughs> never. Uh, nine to two. Kaluki have, have clipped her to 9-2 from fives. Uh, second start for Andrew Balding. Daughter of Glen Eagles running in the Team Valor colours. Uh, Gary Barber retouched as well. Um, right, we'll switch our focus to... That was the last of the UK races. We'll switch our focus to back to Ireland. Uh, we'll just briefly talk about the Tattersalls Gold Cup because it's, it's Thursday. We don't have full declarations, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so Kaluki have provided us with prices for the Tattersalls Gold Cup. Uh, Nor- Lord North, who is an intended runner. Yay, 7-4. State of Rest... Does he run? It would be fantastic if he does. Uh, and seeing him run in the UK or, or Ireland, that'd be brilliant because he's been a globe-trotting superstar. 11 to 4. Al Nakur for William and Hanks is 7 to 2. And Broom is intended to run, I believe, from Bally Doyle for Aidan O'Brien, 6 to 1. With Max Sweeney also intended to run. And of course, Helvig Dream is definitely going to. So Helvig Dream is 10s, but was beaten last time out. And Max Sweeney, an 8 to 1 shot. So Helvig Dream took this race last year I don't even want to mention high definition's name until he actually wins a race again um, <laughs> there are, there are a couple of horses in here we should talk about in the sense that Wordsworth is in here as well probably hold him back for the the Coronation Cup I'm assuming but then again rule first rule of law never assume so Tattersall's Gold Cup will be on Racing TV at 2.40 on Sunday uh, what's your overall, overall thoughts? Yeah I'm kind of hoping that Alan Kerr turns up in this because um he's a horse that that i really do like and he, he went back up to 12 furlongs at maidan last time and he didn't really settle well enough back up a, a mile and a half there to to see it out in that company we'd previously beaten lord north at lingfield on the all weather I, I think you can say that lord north was probably a little bit undercooked there and was was prepping for Dubai, but I don't know if you've been looking at William Haggis's form. Oh, I have. Emmett, but it, it is ridiculous. Unbelievable. He's absolutely off the scales. The last 14 days, he's fielded 34 runners. 16 of them have won for a 47% strike rate. The, the man is absolutely on fire. Can I, can I just go from the 14th of May? Winner. Winner, 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 third, second, winner, second, winner, fifth, boo, winner, sixth, 
winner, winner. That's ridiculous. He's he's crazy. It, it it really is unbelievable. I mean, I've always had a lot of time for William Haggis. I think he's he's a, a outstanding trainer. But but this season could be an absolutely banner year for him, particularly with the likes of Baid in the yard. Big time. And I had the pleasure of speaking with Jim Crowley today as well, and he was talking about just how William Haggis leaves no stone unturned, and that his form is unbelievable he, he can't believe it himself that obviously most of his work is for Shadwell but you know, when he is on William Haggis horse he's like these horses are just absolutely firing on all, all cylinders um, I don't disagree with you uh, there was a time when you just looked at who's Aidan O'Brien settling and it was a case of well that horse is going to win by half the track uh, he has won three of the last four but you've got Roger Charlton, Dermot Weld, Roger Charlton again, Lady Cecil, and Roger Charlton. So British trainers have become more afraid with this. It is great that Jonathan Eddie Gosden and William Haggis are coming over, uh, and they're not the only ones who are coming over, but it's great that they're coming over for this race in particular. And I think it represents a great opportunity for Onlicker. Um Yeah, absolutely. And look, can, can we... I know you didn't want to mention his name again, but can can we just touch on high definition? Oh, God, okay. <laughs> take, take it away. Mark. <laughs> I saw High Definition in the flesh last season at York, and he absolutely knocks your eye out. I would, I've seen a lot of racehorses, top class racehorses in the last 20 years, and on looks, he would be up there with some of the very best flat horses that I've ever seen. It's just a shame he can't run very fast. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll get best turned out again. And uh, if if he was a, a show jumper or a dressage horse, he'd be cleaning up. But he's not. He's a racehorse. And it's just, it's very odd. Like, like the form of Hurricane Lane uh, at York, obviously there's a horse who handled York, uh, both of them finishing third in the Dante. He then goes to the Derby. You can definitely make excuses for his run there in, in 21. Um, he's not beaten awfully far by Yabir, one might argue. And then was it the end of a long, long season in terms of the way they had to get him back from his disappointment at the, at the, in the Curra? But maybe his two starts this year, you just write them off and go, he's 12 to 1. And he was beaten by uh, Lafayette so just draw a line underneath that and and hope that he's able to, to bounce back but I I don't see it personally I, I just I, I mean uh, far be it from me to, to question Aidan O'Brien's training methods but I, I was convinced that high definition would be minimum mile and a half horse this year and his first two starts have been at 10 furlongs he's likely to to keep him at ten furlongs, he's just—he's just not quick enough, is he? He's not—he's not a ten furlong horse. He just—he just lacks that that inherent speed and and turn of foot to be a ten furlong horse. Certainly to my eye, anyway. Yeah, that's pretty much what I thought. I, I don't—I'm not entirely certain what exactly the the thought process is. Maybe they were thinking this would be a soft enough Group One. It has been over the years, and so that's such a great thing that. You've got Lord North's state of rest from Joseph O'Brien's yard and Al Nakur in there, and indeed uh, Max Sweeney as well, for that for that matter too. I mean, he's a classic winner after all, uh, and um, last year's winner, Helvig Dream, of course. 
But I don't know. Q the horse comes out now and wins by five lengths and looks a superstar. And then <laughs> and everyone Twitter goes nuts and says he's the best that Aiden O'Brien's ever had, and this is it now. He's finally hit his stride, and he never wins again. Um, I I just I I can't. I don't see how you can trust a horse who's been... I mean, it's very intriguing to hear how good he looks, but I don't see how you can trust him given the chances he's been given. Also, they ran him in the ledger, and they didn't fancy him. Didn't fancy him a bit that day. So, yeah, the market is is interesting with him as well. I think that, that says it all. Um, I, I allowed, I allow, I'm allowing it because it's your debut. I'm allowing it. Uh, we'll, we'll move on uh, if he gets beaten at the weekend or if he doesn't finish let's say the first three if he's not in the first three then from now on he shall be forever and a day referred to as he who shall not be named and hopefully final front of podcast listeners know that, that could, we're could we to get a price a price about him for the supreme novices hurdle do you think if he gets beaten a long way here Kaluki can you tweet a price for high definition for the supreme novices hurdle uh, for for Joseph, Joseph and JP probably. Um, yeah, I can't imagine Willie would even bother. Right, uh, the <laughs> one thousand guineas then is where we'll we'll wrap it up. And um, this is very much Aiden O'Brien versus Dermot Weld, and it's more so Aiden O'Brien. Uh, he's got Tuesday, uh, who is favourite for the well, second favourite for the Oaks, and has sort of drifted out a little bit. It's been interesting the way this betting has gone with with Tuesday. Uh, I settle now at five to two as we're recording, uh, just after six, six o'clock on Thursday. Uh, Homeless Songs for Dermot Weld is then 11 to four, drifted out from five to two with Kaluki Sportsbook. History, who cost 2.8 million as a yearling. Uh, but more importantly, and as Gerald Lyons was saying to me on TalkSport 2 today, Aiden's Galileo's, the improvement they make from two to three, and then the improvements that we're seeing from their first start to their second. Well, she won first time up, and he was... He's pretty frustrated about the cutaway rail. That you know, they they tried it for a little bit at Leopardstown, and the jockeys were all in favour of it, but it was done away with. Uh, and he felt that if that was still there, his horse might have got up. But I really like history. I thought that was an eye-catching run, and um, I think she can take a, a big step forward here and and claim a classic. Uh, Concert Hall is in the race as well and has been very well supported. Uh, I got a notification just before we came on saying into eights from 14s uh, and I think the last price they'd gone was 10s so Kaluki getting um, getting requests for concert hall and the intriguing thing is assuming Mark that Aiden's horses come out of the race well and run well then we'll be talking about them again next week because Tuesday history and concert hall are all due to line up at Epsom. So in two weeks' time, we'll be talking about them again um, for the the Oaks. So that's that's the plan for Maiden. Um, and you'll hear that in his own words in another Final Forum podcast uh, in the next 24 hours. What's your view overall on the 1,000 guineas? Yeah, my, my view, it's, it's not a particularly original view, but I thought uh, Tuesday absolutely ran her face off at Newmarket for a, a filly who was so inexperienced, who had only had one run last season and just one run prior to going to Newmarket. And Newmarket's a, a tricky track for, for inexperienced horses to negotiate. Um, it's not an original thought, obviously. She's likely to go off favourite. I just thought she would take a world of beating in here, particularly as she's likely to improve 
for that new market run. Now she's got the experience, that a little bit more experience on her side. I thought it was interesting that Frankie Dettori jumped off her at Newmarket and said sort of immediately, you should go for the, the Irish 1,000 guineas with this filly. Again, as I said, it's not, not an, an original view, but I, I really like Tuesday in here. Yeah, the, the very intriguing thing about her is that she's not going to be a, a full three-year-old until next month. To be specific, the third of next month. That's when she then becomes an actual three-year-old. Um, so obviously every horse celebrates their birthday on the 1st of January. We all know that, yeah. But she was foaled on the 3rd of June uh, 2019. So she won't actually be a full three-year-old until just before the Oaks, which is, it's kind of bonkers that she was then able to run so well in the 1,000 guineas. Uh, and that means that in the time that has gone by, she will be strengthening up. Um, she was able to win her her prep um, as well back in, in March and ran Discoveries really close. And at the time, Discoveries was a, a very good horse. She was disappointing in the, in the 1,000 guineas, but she was you know, she was running to a really good level of form at, at the time. Um, so I, I'm not going to put anybody off Tuesday and I certainly wouldn't put you off of the horse, but I, I would say that history is my pick and might be my strongest bet of the weekend. I, I, The note that I had for her on her run at Leopardstown was just watch her and see. I was expecting her to run a nice race and finish in the top three and then be a bigger price later uh, for the Irish 1000 guineas. Instead, she comes out and wins and tumbles in price for the race when the market opens. And... I think she's, it's not just about the fact that she's an expensive horse. I think that she's a genuinely intriguing racehorse. And I I wouldn't put anybody off having a few quid on her for the Oaks. Because that's what Aidan O'Brien said to me. He said on the, on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, he said, the plan is, uh, this was a recording for TalkSport 2 that's going to go live on uh, the Final Forum podcast during the next 12 hours or so that um, the plan with her is run her in the Irish 1000 guineas where he qu- they quietly fancy her and then go to the Oaks. Uh, so if you want to take the 16s about her for, for Epsom with Kaluki Sportsbook, I'm not going to stop you. Um, I have a bit of an affinity for Concert Hall, so I guess that's one, two, three of the Aiden horses that I'll be watching. But um, history would be my bet. And uh, if Tuesday does me, then I, I won't... I won't be too sore about it, Mark, because uh, an, uh, an excellent debut, uh, one can say, an absolutely outstanding debut. Um, very briefly, just to say, I did talk to Gerlands about uh, Tough Talk, whereas the first-time tongue-tie is a Kingman. Uh, yep, likes the horse an awful lot. Uh, very intriguing about Blackbeard uh, running for Aidan O'Brien with Ryan Moore on board. Uh, they also run Debonet. Uh, terrible pronunciation, but that probably means that Blackbeard is now the Coventry horse because this is a good trial for Royal Ascot and Jer talks about how his horse will definitely be heading straight to the railway assuming that she comes out of the race okay and um, just to say again to pass on something from Jer Lines as well Power Under Me who runs in the Greenland Stakes his line about that horse was that horse is going to give something a real fright at this company at this level um, and Who's to say it's not at the weekend? So a case of you, the Maidan Dubai hero for Adrian McGuinness is the uh, carrying the number one silk, and who knows he might go and win the race. But 
Jorlines thinks an awful lot of power under me. What, sir, is your best bet, Mark? I think my best bet will be in the 235 at Haydock, the uh, the silver bowl. It's not a massive price, but I'll be devastated if mighty Ulysses doesn't prove too good for that bunch. I think he's properly a, a group horse in a handicap. And I know that's a line that's that's trotted out with ridiculous ease by pundits from time to time. But I've got a lot of time for this horse. And I think mighty Ulysses wins the 235 at Haydock. Wouldn't it be nice if Benoit de la Sayet just did a repeat of what he did at Lingfield today where he just cruises through and wins by 13 lengths and does that on, that, that on mighty would, Ulysses? That would be- that would be nice to see, yes, we're count- absolutely. We're counting Kaluki's money before they've even crossed the line. Absolutely st- stellar stuff. Uh, history for me um, is the best bet of the weekend. And uh, best of luck to everybody who's going to the Curra. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. We're, we're back, baby. We're back. Um, we actually get to return to Irish racing. Fantastic stuff. Uh, really enjoyed having you on, Mark, and looking forward to having your inside and talking to you on the show again Uh, In the coming weeks, um, we can read more of your expert content, of course, at timeform.com as well. Uh, Mark McGillan, thank you so, so much for joining us on the Final Frontline Podcast. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. And hope you enjoyed the show too. We are back on Monday as we review. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're taking a day off. My goodness. And by day off, I mean just binge watch Das Boot on uh, Sky Q. That is a terrific show and I've been binge watching that like crazy over the last week or so but uh, no we're not recording Monday we are recording though on Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday we have big guests lined up so hopefully you will enjoy them until next time stay safe have a great weekend look after yourself the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner all about sunday the latest trainer to join our ranks is donald mccain to celebrate we'll be having a sunday and final furlong podcast owners morning on saturday april 16th at bankhouse stables to see raffles capital and the 150,000 euro purchase invincible power the most expensive horse sunday have ever To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk